I'm ready. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. Well, today is the third Monday of the month, which means it's time for Healing Spices with Dr. Sunil Pai. And today he has a special guest with him, Dr. Maureen Sutton, and I'll let them take it away. Welcome back. Thank you very much for inviting me. Today, we have an exciting part four of the Healing Spices series, which if you haven't listen to the previous ones, go back and listen to part one, part two, part three. And today we'll be doing part four. I also have a special guest who will be joining me going forward in the series. My partner at House of San Gemini Integrative Medicine, Health and Lifestyle Center, Dr. Maureen Sun, who's an Ayurvedic doctor, licensed massage therapist, and a registered yoga uh, therapist, and also our plant-based nutrition counselor. So she'll be jumping in today when I'm giving my discussion here and talking about other aspects of the healing spices. So welcome, Maureen. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. This is really exciting. And today, let's get started on some of my favorites. Today, we're going to cover four main spices. But again, just always iterating that I have a book called An Inflammation Nation, uh, the definitive 10-step guide of preventing, reversing, and treating all diseases through lifestyle, diet, and the use of natural anti-inflammatories like bosmeric. And today, I'll be getting a lot of the information from a, a wonderful book that you all should carry in your library called Healing Spices by Dr. Agarwal, who's a colleague of ours who did most of the research at MD Anderson in the previous cancer therapeutics division, looking at the medicinal aspects of healing spices. Spices, a great book to have. It covers the historical aspects, recipes, how to uh, look at the spices, how to identify them, how to store them. And today I'm just going to give you again some highlights of some of my four favorite that I enjoy. Remembering key to optimum health is not only eating just a whole food plant diet, but it's actually making the foods taste delicious. And one of my aspects, again, one of my kind of peeves that I've seen in the plant-based movement is it kind of has been more bland food. You know, it's kind of an introduction to fruits, vegetables, plant seeds, legumes, and grains and, and mushrooms, but lacking that what I call the diversity of the use of spice, because here in the United States, we're kind of lacking in most of our cuisine, a lot of spice, but that's what we get from other people's cuisines and other cultures around the world. So to make more food, the medicine, we like to talk a little bit about spices and how we can slowly incorporate them into your daily lifestyle. Today, we're going to be talking, oops, it's supposed to be part four of uh, our four favorites, chili, cinnamon, clove, and cocoa or cacao. And let's start off with chili. So chili is known as the red hot healer. And interesting thing, chili has a lot of wonderful benefits. You know, chili takes a bad name for a lot of people because in America, we're used to kind of this bland, kind of plain kind of food. And a lot of people think that chili is spicy or may cause stomach issues and ulcers. And we're going to kind of disprove some of that with some of the newest and latest research. But one thing chili is so popular is that it has benefits from not only pain, arthritis, headaches, neuropathy, uh, post-herpatic neuralgia. I'll explain what that is. But it also increases metabolite metabolism. It helps decrease appetite, increases fat burning during exercise. So when everybody's looking at losing weight and looking at caloric restriction and, you know, all these kind of fasting and all the ideas to add more spice and add more chili, it actually increases the metabolism of fat burning. It decreases the amount of fat cells actually in the body and actually speeds up metabolism in controlled studies. It also helps dissolve fat, lowers cholesterol, reduces heart rate. So those people who eat uh, chili actually have a slower and re relaxed heart rate, even though we might think that chili might increase our heart rate because of the spiciness. 
Uh, it also helps prevent arrhythmias, uh, has some cancer benefits, um, and actually we'll talk about ulcer prevention and indigestion and actually helps with lowering blood sugar. Now, chili is so important that in our state of New Mexico, we actually have uh, on our license plate, the two little chilies, green and red. And actually that's our state question in New Mexico. We actually have a state question and it is green or red. And so the chili is a very, very important part of our life here in, in the Southwest. In fact, we grow what we call the hatch chilies. The, these are kind of the bigger, longer green chilies uh, uh, here, you'll see. And we make wonderful uh, poblanos and we make wonderful enchiladas and a lot of salsa. We're the largest producer of what they call green chili in the world, which is from Hatch, New Mexico. And we have competitions and people come from all over the world. And we actually will have a period of time when the, when the, when the chilies are available, where they roast them outside in the grocery stores and then the restaurants and they have like a little fire pit uh, wheel and they actually wrote fire roast it and you can smell throughout the whole town uh, and everybody who's local it's just the smell of that roasted green chili is actually uh, aromatic and kind of just makes us really hungry and appreciative of living in the southwest now the health benefits of state smell sorry <laughs> we actually have a state smell that is green chilies roasting yeah in fact we even have <laughs> it's funny we even have um what do you call it? air fresheners and a green chili. So it's, it's a very popular thing in New Mexico. So when you think about pain relief, there's a part of chili called capsaicin. And a lot of times you'll see it in topical creams, right? So we see like these pain, pain rubs and pain creams. And what interesting thing is the chili part, the capsaicin, which is very dangerous to, you know, you don't want to touch your eyes, it'll burn. But the capsaicin in these creams actually builds a, a, a tolerance to what they call substance P. That's a pain molecule in our body. And it actually stimulates the release of somatostatin hormone. This is a hormone that's in our GI tract and in the skin and the tissues that actually will lower inflammation. So as a topical rub, it's wonderful for osteoarthritis. Uh, I wrote a book, uh, a chapter in the five in, uh, integrative medicine uh, editions in David Rakel's integrative medicine textbook on peripheral neuropathy. And there's wonderful studies using these uh, capsaicin type creams on when people have peripheral neuropathy due to chemotherapy, uh, side effects due to uh, per, um, diabetes or, or other kind of toxicities or damage. It actually helps with lessening that severity of the nerve pain. Post-herpetic neuralgia is when people get shingles, for example, we get this extreme burning. It's almost like the skin's on fire kind of pain. And this, you know, even though it sounds counterproductive, it actually turns down that pain signals topically. Neck pain and headaches is wonderful. And the interesting thing is with osteoarthritis, it actually increases the synovial fluid in the joint by putting it on topically. Now, when we look at heart health, interesting, the studies will show it prevents blood clots. And it actually does it actually more effectively than aspirin, has a playlist inhibitory effect. So there's a lot of things that we take to actually lower not only just the heart health from the antioxidant polyphenol aspect and anti-inflammatory aspect, but actually the thinning of the blood. It improves cholesterol, again, reduces heart rate. So those people who eat a bland diet versus those people who eat um, a certain amount of chili in their diet, actually the people who eat the chili will have a lower resting heart rate. It reduces arrhythmias like ventricular tachycardia and ventricular uh, arrhythmias. And also after damage of a heart attack, it's been shown that the capsaicinoids, uh, the main part of the chili, um, actually helps with the regeneration of that nerve growth to the heart muscle. So again, post heart attack, very important for people to start eating some more chili. Now, weight management, as we've always been talking about when and Chef AJ, you had the truth about weight loss uh, series and summit, you know, increases metabolism, decreases appetite, increases fat burning during exercise. 
And so, you know, these are controlled studies where they have, you know, cyclists and people who are, you know, exercising and they actually burn more fat, consuming a little bit of chili prior to the exercise, lowers insulin resistance and fatty liver, which now 40% of America has what they call non-alcoholic fatty liver. Cancer prevention is that there's a hundred studies that show the correlation between eating chili and lowering a variety of cancers such as breast, esophagus, stomach, liver, prostate, brain, and even leukemia. And more importantly, uh, as Dr. Sutton mentioned before, is stomach support. And it actually prevents the ulcers. It doesn't cause them. It inhibits acid secretion, stimulates the stomach to be more alkaline. It actually produces mucus secretion and increases the gastric flow, helps with indigestion and functional dyspepsia. So a lot of people, that, when they have inflammation or gastritis or esophagus, esophagus in the stomach due to standard American diet, due to animal protein, due to antibiotics and GMO foods and stress and alcohol, tobacco, et cetera, that just creates a dysfunction of the, the barrier. And so, yes, sometimes people think, well, gosh, the chilies might bother them. But actually, if they eat a better lifestyle and they actually eat the chilies, it actually will help heal that lining and actually will not uh, give them ulcers. Now, one thing is there's something called SCOVI units, Scoville units, and that's a unit. And you might see this, those people who love chili, um, they, they want to know which is the hottest chili. That's the kind of the question that we usually get, well, which is hotter? Or a lot of people want to get like chips or some kind of uh, sauce, like hot sauces. And in fact, here in New Mexico, we have an annual uh, chili fest. It's, it's a world famous, uh, it's, a, it's a chili festival where people come from all over the world for a week and they bring the hottest chilies from around the world. And uh, as I mentioned, the hot hatch chilies is what we usually come and use in our food, 1,500 to 2,500 Scoville units. And then you think of jalapenos, gets a little bit hotter. And then Tabasco sauce, a little bit hotter, 30,000 to 50,000 units. And then you get the orange habaneros, which are, I cannot eat these. They're just way too hot. They go up to 325,000 Scoville units. Then a lot of people have heard of ghost peppers. They can see like ghost peppers on popcorn and chips now and all. Everybody's trying to get like the super hot up to a million uh, Scoville units. Then they had the Trinidad scorpion, which goes up to 2 million. And then most recently, that last year, which won, which is the Carolina Reaper, uh, it's 1.4 million to 2.2 million Scoville units. Now, when you come to the chili festival, there's certain booths where they have these kind of products. They have the actual, the real chilies or they make it in chili sauces. And you actually will have to sign a waiver to eat the food because of liability. People actually have esophageal burns. People have actually, it actually burns and causes like heart problems and stuff because it's so hot. Uh, it actually can you know, contribute to blood pressure. So they actually have ambulances, they have paramedics and people you know, in South America, they do crazy things. But just letting you know, we like to stick to the lower ones, but definitely you can always explore for those people who like the heat, uh, you can go further down on this list. Now, examples for chilies, is, is, there's so many examples, right? Salsas and poblanos and rellenos. Asian food, almost all Asian food uses, you know, red chilies and a variety of smaller spicy chilies. But here in the Southwest, I kind of put a lot of the Southwestern things like jalapeno poppers. And then even the sauces like Tabasco and Sriracha are some examples. Now, chili pairs with spices like allspice, which I covered before, amcha, which I've covered, cardamom, cacao, which I'll be talking about, coconut, cumin, fenugreek, galangal, garlic, ginger, onion, pumpkin seed, and turmeric. And it really uh, complements pickles, relishes, salsas, and sauces. Anything that you would like to add in, Dr. Sutton? You're on mute. Thank you. I just wanted to go back to, um, you know, some of the health benefits. And one of them is that in the heart health, it prevents blood clots and improves the blood flow. So uh, we were talking earlier about nobody ever says before you go into surgery, make sure you're not eating any chilies. 
Yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an issue where, you know, some of the foods that we actually look at actually have better or in the studies, more fibrin inhibiting uh, activities than aspirin and equal to endomethacin. And yet we don't talk about that. You know, medicine has old information about garlic, ginger, green tea, it had all the green, the G words, you know, uh, turmeric, they used to think, you know, fish oil or, or plant oil, they would think that the omega-3s were even causing, but there's actually studies showing that certain other foods actually are stronger. But this is why when people eat these foods regularly, they have less heart disease because we don't have to take an aspirin. We're eating the foods that are lowering the, the clot inhibition naturally by providing you the health benefits rather than causing GI bleeds or other kind of issues with, uh, with an aspirin. Cinnamon. Cinnamon is one of my favorites. I love cinnamon. I, can, I put cinnamon on almost everything. It's balancing the blood sugar. Cinnamon has a lot of benefits, lowers blood sugar. That's probably where most people will see a lot of the research, particularly here in the United States, and especially in the dietary supplement world where cinnamon's in common formulas for lowering blood sugar for both pre-diabetics, insulin resistance, and also type 2 diabetics. It also lowers cholesterol, bad cholesterol, improves heart health, lowers your blood pressure against post-stroke protection. So again, we had something earlier that was helpful for heart attack, and now we have something helpful for post-stroke. It helps women with uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome with the glucose control. It's also used as a food preservative. It's, it has an antimicrobial aspect. It's anti-candida, helps fight against H. pylori. So if you go back to the first three of the case of the series that we've done, you'll see that some of the spices we're talking about, again, helps with ulcers, helps with preventing ulcers, helps with, you know, stomach secretion and acid production, and also helps against H. pylori. So a lot of Americans get H. pylori because they're not using the spices to prevent them from getting that kind of stomach dysfunction. So eating more of these foods can be very, very preventative. It has a lot of cancer support and also improves memory and attention. Now with the cinnamon, there's two main types, okay? There's one called cassia and one called Ceylon. Uh, cassia is the one that in the United States is predominantly, you see here on the left-hand side, it's kind of thicker. It's got a darker, redder, brownish color tone. It has like almost two spirals and it's really almost, it's very, very hard to break. Okay, this is kind of what we call the cheaper cinnamon. It's really used more for baking and cooking here, has a stronger, sweeter smell. But the rest of the world actually uses what they call Ceylon cinnamon. It's kind of thin. It's really, really fine. It kind of like paper. It can break. It's got a lighter color. It's called true cinnamon, Ceylon cinnamon, or Sri Lankan cinnamon, because that's where it's grown. Uh, but the cinnamon actually comes from the bark of the tropical evergreen tree. So it's interesting. It's actually a bark from the tree that they pull it off. But the Ceylon cinnamon, in most parts of the world where this is where this, the cinnamon is used, um, they won't allow, like even in, in other parts of Europe, they just call it cassia. They only allow the word cinnamon to be put on it because there's a differentiation of like the true cinnamon, as they call it, true cinnamon, and kind of the cinnamon, which in America is what we usually see in cakes and cookies and pies. And we think of like that cinnamony smell. They both have health benefits, but the cassia cinnamon can have problems. And I'll talk about that in a minute. So blood sugar control is probably what most people are aware of, of, of cinnamon. A fourth to a half a teaspoon daily, not more than that, actually, has been shown to lower your hemoglobin A1C, lowers your fasting glucose up to 29%, lowers, lowers post-meal spikes in blood sugar, increases your lean body mass. So again, one of the other things to look at for healthy, healthy uh, weight management, lowers oxidation because it's a very strong antioxidant, works in type 2 diabetes and polycystic ovarian syndrome, which women can get, again, helping balancing the blood sugar naturally. So instead of taking metformin, for example, people can be just adding a little bit of cinnamon into their daily um, 
food intake. Now it does decrease cholesterol, LDL 27%, decreases cholesterol 26% and triglycerides 30%. So very well, these are, these are numbers on par with statins. So again, now when people take as dietary supplements, you wanna make sure that they're standardized. You wanna make sure they're standardized for a certain amount of polyphenols. And there's other brands that have taken certain aspects of the cinnamon and have kind of patented that so they can give more of a clinical dose of taking it in a pill form. I just recommend you know getting more organic, uh, non-irradiated uh, and probably more true uh, cinnamon. But here, a lot of the research was done on the cassia since it's more common. It does have what they call cinnamaldehyde, which is the active ingredient that lowers inflammation from the cinnamon. And there's data that shows that it lowers tau proteins in the brain. These are one of the proteins that, along with tangles and, and, and plaques, cause neurodegenerative diseases like dementia. So one thing that people need to know is cassia, the cinnamon cassia, which is common here, again, the most common form, the thick one that we usually use in baking and cooking here, has what they call coumarin. And coumarin, not coumadin, but coumarin in high doses can cause liver problems here. And the Ceylon and the Sri Lankan or the true cinnamon doesn't have that problem. That's why the rest of the world, they eat a lot of cinnamon. They don't have those issues. But here, when they publish the study and they study it in cassia, then people usually go or they take it in supplements. They take super high doses because they're trying to drive their problem down, but they don't realize that, again, too much of something can also be a problem. So your source and the uh, of type of cinnamon and the quality of the cinnamon makes a huge, huge benefit or it can be a detriment. It also has antimicrobial uh, actions that helps fight candida. So women who get candida infections can be increasing the um, cinnamon into their diet. It's also helpful uh, even for those who have resistance to fluconazole or diflucan, which is used for the uh, candida as well. And again, more effective at killing H. pylori than amoxicillin without resistance. So again, these are the foods, again, that people can take that will help if they have more issues with H. pylori or if they've had H. pylori and they don't want to take antibiotics, then there's a couple of things that we could do. And then we just recommend after people incorporate them in their diet is that they get retested about 14 to to, to one month later to make sure their H. pylori has been eradicated. It has been shown to have cancer benefits. It helps slow angiogenesis, meaning it slows the VEGF blocker, the vascular endothelial growth factor uh, that goes to new, new tumors. So it's useful for prevention and for treatment. And lastly, the nice thing about cinnamon is that smelling cinnamon has improved, is shown in the studies to improve your memory and attention. So they showed that there was a wonderful study showing chewing cinnamon, like a cinnamon gum, or even sniffing a cinnamon essential oil or cinnamon kind of a smell will improve your memory, uh, uh, focus your attention, and you have faster reflexes prior to exam. So people were able to see, you know, and remember what they needed to do better. And so this is something that a lot of people like who chew gum, which I don't recommend, but people chew gum uh, during exams because of nervousness, but they have uh, spearmint and peppermint and all these other, you know, whatever the kind of gums, try then more using a cinnamon gum or using a cinnamon essential oil, put it on or put on something that you're wearing. Or, you know, if, you're, if you're, you have to study, just even, you know, just have some of that in your house, that fragrance of the, of the actual cinnamon oil will help improve memory and attention. Now, again, these are really common cinnamon rolls, cinnamon breads. You can tell where I was thinking when I was doing this. I was on the sweeter side of the cinnamon. Uh, so potato hash or Mediterranean breakfast couscous, one of my favorite things. But, you know, basmati rice, which a lot of people know. Again, hot chocolate mole, my favorite. And of course, pumpkin pie. I'm Dr. Pie. So have to have that pumpkin pie thrown in everywhere. It pairs with everything almost. That's what I like about cinnamon allspice, caraway, cardamom, clove coriander, cacao, cumin, ginger, nutmeg, star anise, sun-dried tomatoes, tamarind, and turmeric. And again, complements a lot of things. So apples and baked stews, 
uh, fruits, bananas, cantaloupe, cauliflower, chocolate, corn, curries, grapes, hot toddies. These are drinks, uh, pastries, oranges, and winter squashes. That warming, nice, goes with that sweet flavor. It has this nice blending. It can be kind of spicy, can be kind of cooling, but overall that sweetness was a really nice balance to most of the other spices that I've covered before. Then we're going to move into cloves and clove is the pain relief's loyal servant. Beautiful picture here of cloves. Cloves is actually the top flowering bud part of the evergreen tree. So one part is used for the cinnamon, one part is actually used for the clove. That's why there's a little bit of a cross over with some of the notes that people get cinnamon and clove, or when we pair them together, cinnamon clove, like say in a pumpkin spice blend, it goes very, very well. Clove benefits are great for breath, has a great refreshing uh, breath aspect. It has a lot of dental health. It, it helps with uh, dental problems like dry mouth, um, uh, gum disease, uh, and more importantly, it's probably been most known for is toothache. In fact, you know, before it was used in dental offices and, and is sold still as a, to, a home remedy for toothache. It actually helps numb the, the gums and the nerve endings. It's great for blood clots. Again, it's something else that also has been shown thinning the blood, helps with uh, herpes virus reduction. Uh, it's also used, again, in food processing to prevent food poisoning. It helps, again, cold sores, uh, hepatitis C, also mosquito bites and ulcers. Now, teeth and gum health, it's an analgesic, so it actually numbs the toothache. So you'll go to the store, you'll see a lot of these, um, you know, oral, any kind of numbing aging is basically clove oil. And you also see with natural toothpaste, they use it because it helps with periodontitis, meaning inflammation in the mouth or stomatitis. A lot of people get dry mouth and, you know, through medications and even chemotherapies, a lot of issues with, with oral health and actually adding these kind of oils are in fact, just, you know, making chai, you know, or, or cooking with a little bit more of the clove. That's the natural way to get on, uh, use it. Again, clove oil is used in toothpaste as well. Studies in the animal models show that for uh, HSV and one and two, uh, this is herpes simplex one and two, it actually did better than acyclovir, which is the common you know, prescription drug that people take kind of continuously for herpes outbreak. And an HSV2 could not replicate. So it just actually has a eradication issue. It actually killed the herpes virus. Again, we don't really have products available for this, but this is where people can actually incorporate if they have chronic outbreaks. These are things that they can start cooking with and using. It is the, the, the main part of the clove is called eugenol. And again, it's better at platelet inhibition than aspirin and equal to endomethacin. So again, there's another thing here, like we never hear about people stopping people with cloves uh, and, and, and going to surgery or other aspects. But again, it's because it shows you that they don't really have an understanding of which truly has those actions. They've just picked on three or four uh, since the 80s. And they continue even when I go with my patients or my patients go to their doctors and say, well, I'm going to surgery. They give them a list. And that list is literally from like the late 80s, early 80s uh, of some misinformation. It has been shown to stop lung and skin cancer cells from multiplying, which is pretty good. In studies, it showed it actually inhibits the hepatitis C virus. So those people you know who have hepatitis C, they should incorporate more of this into their diet. And remember with the other things like chili slowing down and help preventing non-alcoholic fatty liver diseases, these are things where you know the chili and the cloves are becoming very helpful for those people that have hepatitis C or viral uh, um, liver issues. It does have an antimicrobial effect. So again, 
better than the prescription for H. pylori and faster at eradication. And it's been shown that they actually put clove oil uh, and cloves into food to prevent from food poisoning, like from E. coli. It helps with hospital infections like Enterobacter, staph infections, which are common, uh, bladder infections like Proteus, people get chronic bladder infections, and Pseudomonas in their bladder infections as well. So again, cloves are a very important way that you can use it naturally as an antimicrobial. And most importantly, this is something that I found out quite interesting is for mosquitoes, because I like to travel to places. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm, I'm the one that mosquitoes like, I guess they like the vegan blood. <laughs> so um, strongest and most effective. So they did, they did a study where they were looking at 38 different essential oils, including the most popular ones like citronella and patchouli. Like you always see like citronella candles and sprays and stuff like this. It did better than those. And it showed 100% repellency at four hours. That's pretty good. So, you know, you can always get some clove oil or get, you know, get a clove, real cloves kind of scented candle or aromatherapy device and kind of put it around your backyard uh, when the mosquitoes are coming out. And that's something that's non-toxic, unlike the DEET that they usually spray. Examples of cloves, again, chai. We see a lot of sweets and desserts, right? It was pickled, uh, spice pickled beets is one of my favorite things. Roasted squash with mole. Again, that mole coming in, that blending of the chocolate, the cacao, the cinnamon, and the clove. Uh, biscottis, a lot of people have. Uh, we like to start to use a lot of clove, like in uh, some Mexican food, like chorizo. Uh, we also put it in like vegan ham uh, and Dutch poached, uh, poached pears, one of my favorite. Uh, has again like cinnamon, has a little bit of clove, has a little bit of uh, balsamic, or you can put a little bit of wine. Some people can uh, uh, pair them with. And then spiced carrot hummus is another of our favorites that uses cloves. Now, again, it, it pairs with allspice cloves. It pairs with amchur, cardamom, chili, cinnamon, cacao, coriander, cumin, ginger, kokum, nutmeg, star anise, tamarind, and turmeric. And complements, again, apple pies, cakes, chocolate, again, my favorite, uh, ham, vegan, there's vegan hams, and, and especially in the Asian cultures, they use a lot of that, um, orange, pumpkin, red cabbage, and stewed fruits. Can I say something? Please. Um, amchur, in case you're wondering, there's a couple of these uh, spices on here that people might be wondering about. Amchur is made from the green mango. mango. Right. And it has a lemony flavor. Um, kokum is usually used as a digestive agent. And finally, we're going to end on cacao. One of my favorite things, again, I probably was Charlie in the chocolate factory someday in my, my past life. Cacao benefits, heart health, amazing, lowers cholesterol, lowers blood pressure, uh, improves circulation. It also thins the blood. And again, I don't hear doctors talking about people not eating chocolate the week before surgery. Um, increases nitric oxide production. So everybody's into nitric oxide. Increasing nitric oxide increases vasodilation of your arteries. Uh, we think of like, you know, beets, you know, and everybody's doing beet shots and beet green juices and pomegranate and all those things for nitric oxide, but chocolate does that. But we're talking about real chocolate. We're not talking about milk chocolate or the candy chocolates. Anything above 73 or 70% is more considered a medicinal and anything less than that is considered candy, in our opinion. It lowers inflammation and it lowers your stroke risk, improves brain health, memory, energy, mental function. It actually helps with skin health. Interesting enough from the flavanols, lowers wrinkles, actually helps preeclampsia for uh, pregnant women and improves endurance. 
Now, heart health, again, everything that we've been talking about, you know, eating a plant-based diet will always reduce your cholesterol because you're, you're avoiding animal protein and saturated fats. However, some people can still have elevated cholesterol, right? Just because our body produces more or some people are what they call super absorbers. So they just gain a little bit more from the diet, even from outside sources. So what we look at is when we're adding all these natural, as you've seen in the first four, uh, three segments of this Healing Spices series, a lot of these ingredients lower cholesterol. So it's another way of like, why are people taking, you know, statins when they should just be eating more plant-based or even if they're not fully plant-based, why don't they incorporate some of these natural cholesterol reducing measures that are pleasurable and, and wonderful to eat, lowers cholesterol and your bad cholesterol and increases your good cholesterol, lowers blood pressure, improves circulation 22%, thins the blood by 27%. So that's pretty strong. So is you know, so when we compare it to like adding these things together and you look at countries that consume these foods higher than other countries, they don't have the heart health issues. In fact, there's a there's an island off of Panama. I forget the name of the island right now. It's a small little island and uh, they were studying the researchers were studying them and these people in their 70s and 80s have blood pressure like they're in their 20s. And they're just off of Panama, so it's a little island and, you know, they said, well, maybe it's something genetic. No, they have the same genetics. And when those people move from this little island back to the city of Panama, they get all the, the standard American lifestyle diseases. Everything, you know, goes up multiple fold. But when they're on the island and they live there for a long time, what they ended up, the researchers finding is that they're drinking cacao every day. And they're actually real cacao, which Maureen will talk about. And I talk about doing cacao ceremony or as a medicinal drink. They drink that multiple times a day, real cacao, real um, in a lot of cultures. And this has this cholesterol, blood pressure, blood sugar reducing effects. And uh, interesting thing is they don't have blood pressure problem on the island, the whole group of people that consume this. It does have skin health issues, which is quite interesting. So the flavonoids in chocolate, again, we're talking about real chocolate, not, not dessert chocolates. Three months double the skin's resistance to UV rays. So it lowers the wrinkling, age spots, and skin damage. And it actually shows to have less skin roughness and scaling. So it actually softens the skin. So these are things that you can take internally for your skin as well, rather than just putting things externally. Uh, for those people who exercise top cyclists, you know, they had this study where they had them go and exercise to exhaustion. And then they have them go and drink a cacao drink prior to the exercise. And they went 50% longer on the same time than those drinking any kind of sports drink, right? So everybody's trying to sell you these fancy sports drinks. And yeah, I got to go back to what's traditionally been used. You know, it used to be the food of the gods and the, as the Aztecs would call it. The flavonoids also more recently have been shown to have a prebiotic effect onto the microbiome. It stimulates your immune system and has this gut brain access uh, stimulation. So that's why, you know, we feel like we're in love. We feel happy. You know, uh, chocolate always makes everybody happy. Um, it is improving your mental health. So again, taken right before a test and particularly in elderly patients, they actually were able to do better on a standardized test, just having a little bit of uh, cocoa flavonoid. So having a little bit of a piece of dark chocolate or a little bit of a cacao beverage is, is wonderful. It has and provides natural energy. What's in the uh, chocolate uh, is what they call theobromine. And theobromine is, a, is an alkaloid that actually gives you energy, but it doesn't have the jitters or the crashes. Um, now, just the regular cacao itself, you know, two and a half tablespoons does have caffeine there. That's why some people feel a little bit jittery if they have too much chocolate. It has about 50 milligrams, which is less than a half a cup of coffee. But when you add theobromine and caffeine, that's why when it comes in the whole food itself, 
right? It actually has this balancing effect. And then so well, there's one thing that we do is I have something called Creo Brew uh, regularly, which is basically they get the cacao beans. That's how it comes. And they roast it like coffee beans. I get organic, uh, I get an organic uh, Ecuador uh, kind of Creo brew and you grind it and it, you put it in a French press and you just make it like a coffee and it, you get that nice sustained energy and that nice lift without that, that heart rate or that jitteriness, or more importantly, that crash that people get from caffeine. And for those people who like chocolate, it's a wonderful, wonderful beverage to drink. And you can put some natural sweetener if you want to, or a little soy milk or alternative milk beverage, if you would like, but that's something that, you know, can be used in Marine. And I will talk a little bit about that in a second. Now, I don't need to explain examples of cacao or chocolate because everybody knows. <laughs> you can see them here. Brownies, cookies. And again, a lot of the other cultures, we use it like in mole, you know, and a lot of the Spanish, I'm, I'm really being influenced a lot of the New Mexico right now. But we use it a lot like we put it even people here, we can put it in like chili. Uh, obviously, you know, we look at the mousse and we look at all the pastries and all the chocolates, but, you know, using the real uh, cacao can be uh, medicinal uh, as well as just having it as a dessert. Now, cacao or cocoa will pair with the following, allspice, almond, aniseed, cinnamon, clove, curry leaf, fennel seed, garlic, ginger, lemongrass, mint, nutmeg, onion, and vanilla. And it complements with carrots, which is very interesting. There's a great recipe I was looking up the other day, and they had carrots, and they had a little bit of the cacao, and they had a little bit of the balsamic, and they had it um, uh, like almost caramelized, and it was, it was Oh, it's delicious. Uh, cheese, again, these are all vegan. They don't have to be, but we really like to do that. Fish, ground beef, nuts, orange, sauces for desserts, savory sauces, and sweet potatoes. So again, wonderful, wonderful things to do with cacao. And that's going to be it for this part of the series, but let's talk with Maureen. And now we can talk a little bit more about how to use ceremonial cacao with some of the spices that we have been talking about. Oh, good. Thanks. Um, one of the things that I wanted to say about the cacao is if you're taking antidepressants, uh, drinking a lot of cacao might be detrimental. So just keep that in mind, although it does give you a really nice um, kind of a uplifting buzz, you want to be careful with your chocolate intake. So all right, so one of the things that we really like to do on a regular basis is make a ceremonial uh, cacao drink. And to do that, uh, you have to use the real cacao, not the cocoa, right? The cocoa is um, dutched, which means, what does that mean again? <laughs> so they make, actually use a, a, a chemical where they alkalinize, they call it Dutch alkalinizing, right? So it kind of takes out it makes it into a powder, which they can then use it for baking and other types of cooking. We're actually stripping a lot of the other medicinal aspects out of that. That's why there's kind of like baking chocolate and then real chocolate, or like even with the cinnamon, right? There's different forms of it. And yes, it's easier to do as a powder, but when we're looking at it, you know, using it as a ceremonial or the true healing or the heart health aspects I was talking about, or with these other cultures, they're actually using real cacao. So usually what we do is, um, the real cacao comes in big bars, so big like chocolate bars or um, big hunks, and you can grate that down and then begin to melt it in a pan and slowly add whatever kind of milk, or you can add water too, um, to it to make a drink from it. We also like to add cinnamon, chili, <laughs> and um, 
just mix that all up. Maybe a little bit of sweetener, a little bit of honey. I like honey myself, just a little bit. Or and you can use like a maple syrup sometimes. Maple syrup is even better, actually. That tastes very good. Or a coconut sugar. So if you added coconut milk, that would give it the little fatty consistency, which, which would uh, make it melt in there nicely. And you whip it up. There's like a traditional whipping spoon that the Mexican people use. And, um, and then slowly drink it with intention. And when you drink it with intention, one of the things you want to do is take your attention to your heart and notice how your heart chakra and your heart begins to open. So it's a wonderful, loving thing to do with friends and family. We were down in Costa Rica and they actually had the cacao coming from the farms because they grow a lot of the cacao there, you know, and they have some ceremonial cacao, which comes from very specific farms, very specific families that goes back centuries. And so, and they will only use that for ceremony and the rest, they, you know, make it for foods and chocolates and desserts and exportation. Um, and they, we made a ceremonial uh, uh, cacao and, you know, we all have this intention. Uh, dozens and dozens of people were there and it's a great feeling like your heart just, you're just, you just start becoming emotional. It just opens up. It's quite of an amazing experience. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, I have chocolate. I'm like, you don't have chocolate. Like, you have not had that experience because it's it's very transformative. And it's, it's hard to explain that, you know, this is the same food that people kind of think like, well, did I just have a chocolate cake? Well, it is, but not the same. And so this is where the food becomes medicine when you look at quality of, of where the sources or, or how the potency or how how really connected is before we ultra process and then add, you know, flavors or, you know, milk and dairy and all these terrible things or added sugar. And it's one thing that these cultures use it as medicine. So when we look at people consuming this on a regular basis, mood is better, blood pressure is better, cardiovascular risks are better. And it's a way that, you know, we actually can enjoy the chocolate. The problem is here, I think, is that when we've kind of adulterated the intention with sugar, and all these things that are just addictive, then people are addicted to the sugar, but they're not getting the true health benefits. Yeah, it's, and you can do this regularly. In Mexico, they add cacao to their coffee every morning. So, you know, you can see the health benefits. I usually make a coffee in the morning and I put cinnamon, I put cacao, I can put a little cayenne. I mean, these are things that you can add just there. You can put a little clove in there. You know, it's almost like a pumpkin spice, you know, <laughs> you know, with with a little chocolate in there. But these are ways that to make your morning uh, coffee to go or your morning, you know, morning Joe's be caught to make it health and benefits the highest amount for you. And a little sprinkling of chili on top. A little bit of cayenne. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that you have to sign a release, though, to eat some chili peppers. At, at a, at oh, man. People, you know, seriously, seriously, people end up going to the hospital. Like there'll be a whole week of people in the hospital because that's how Americans go. They want to eat the hottest. Now, interesting thing is with that substance P, when you consume it also, it actually is dampening down. So that's why when people eat hot chilies, they don't eat starting off the hottest chili. They slowly over time increase the heat of the Scoville units in their diet. And then what happens is that desensitizes that person. That's why when someone's never really had chili to begin with, any chili is hot. 
right? And then but, but, but cultures who've been eating it for a long period of time, it's like, oh, eating, you know, even hotter or less hot is not a big deal because they kind of desensitize themselves to that. So that's one thing that I always tell people, like never just say, oh, I'm going to go to a festival and eat a ghost pepper. You will end up in the hospital, most likely. You want to be slowly to start with the salsas and then move up. But the interesting thing is as you start increasing some of those foods, you also get some other benefits. And also you get to try a lot of, you know, a lot of the Caribbean, like that Trinidad scorpion, that's coming, you know, a lot of the Caribbean spice really came. They grow some of the hot peppers down there. And so this is where like we can influence it. We don't have so much of that spice. I think we kind of overdo it here just as a, a commercial ma uh, marketing, but it's a nice thing to understand. Like we can explore other fruits and vegetables and other pairings with food, how to, how to utilize the spice. Right. Do, do, are you ready to take some questions, doctor? Sure, sure. Okay, great. Um, there, let, let me go for the one that was submitted in advance first. There's just one, and then I'll go to the ones in the chat. Guys, please put four question marks before you ask. And it actually is on the spice, one of the spices you talked about today, which is cinnamon. And this is from Mary, and she wanted to know if eating too much cinnamon could be dangerous, what is the safest amount to eat? Because she has a family member who eats an extreme amount of cinnamon as a coping tool for their eating disorder. I'm worried that they are risking liver damage. So the main thing would be is to switch them to use the true cinnamon or the Ceylon cinnamon or the Sri Lankan cinnamon. That's the one that has not been shown uh, to have that liver problems. It's the cassia. The problem is, again, most people are going to go to buy cinnamon at the store. One of the things that cinnamon, its volatility of its benefits of its oils only last a few months. So if you, we always recommend not to buy ground cinnamon because by the time you get it, it's already gone. Now, a lot of people go to big box store and they'll get this big old like container full of cinnamon, right? And that's the cheapest. One thing in the book, I'll go uh, into detail about there's different levels of actual the cinnamon curls. Okay, it comes like the little stick as I showed you the picture before. And there's like four different grades. And the very bottom of the grade is cinnamon shavings and chips. And that's what's predominantly used for the bulk supply of US when we get ground cinnamon. So it's like the, the shavings off the floor, <laughs> the parts that broke off of all the nice sticks and everything else like that, which has the least amount of quality. Um, and that's the problem. So a lot of people buy just a lot of cinnamon because they like that smell. They like they kind of like the taste. But to get the health benefits, I'd be looking at more of the true cinnamon and the Ceylon or the Sri Lanka. Um, that has not been shown to have that liver. Now, probably in, in super high doses, that could be a problem, but you're already just decreasing the risk overall. Randy was asking me personally in the chat what my favorite was maybe as a chef. And I just love the taste of the Cassia Saigon from local spicery because it, it tastes like it has sugar in it, but it doesn't. It is sweeter. So the cat, so that's why Americans love it because it has a sweeter taste and a sweeter smell. But that's why when we use it elsewhere around the world, we're not so much into that sweetness. So that's very interesting. They use it as a savory kind of flavor, but it's like here, it's like we want cinnamon rolls. We want, you know, we like going with my coffee to smell very cinnamon. So there's a, there's an aspect. I do like the Cassia on certain things, but when it comes to like using it, you know, in a large amount for that person, then I would say, hey, if you're going more than this half a teaspoon, or if you're taking it regularly, say for blood sugar or some kind of, you know, using it as a medicine, then I would switch it over just to, or just kind of pare it down. We'll have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Yeah. I, I, I mean, but if you're doing it like in a baking recipe, like the whole, a whole pie, a couple of tablespoons is okay. Right. If it's, that's it's not going to be an issue. The thing is when people consume it, cause a lot of people like they read and study and then someone who's diabetic will be like, I'm taking pills and pills and pills, usually just concentrated extracts or powders. Right. And that's just a little bit more than someone would have it in a pie or a baking item. Right. Cause even if I use two tablespoons, I mean, the pie serves 16. And so that's like, everybody's getting like, yeah. 
like yeah. and I remember it's a one-time deal where so so the, the regularity is and the frequency is going to be more of the issue of you having a potential issue it's not having a large large amount at one time per se it's more of people taking it consistently in higher doses it's like everybody's getting like maybe a third of a teaspoon per their serving so sure. yeah interesting but it so, does since it does reduce the blood sugar then they're not putting like cinnamon in their morning oatmeal or their morning breakfast I mean these are simple things that instead of adding the sugar adding the cinnamon and they'll help lower their a1c which most people in America are having a blood sugar or insulin resistance problem. Uh, and that's why the, the studies on the supplement part of it, when they actually were extracting income, I mean, the data was fantastic. You know, you can still get it from the real stuff, but the idea is that people weren't eating it. So they made it into a pill. But the idea is this is something that since it does have that sweetness and it does have this nice aromatic uh, smell to it, then adding it to, you know, your daily foods is very easy to do. I remember when I used to work at the True North Health Center, there was this employee there and she would like just pour it on like all her food, like her salads. And I'm like, oh my God, like, but I guess to each his own, right? Yeah. Marine, did you okay. have something to say? You're on mute. <laughs> I think sometimes rather than using things for just flavoring, we're thinking about using things more as medicine. And so if you can do both, that's, that's fantastic. If you think about um, back in the Middle Ages when they had a huge pandemic, like we just got over, and the, the doctors used to wear those big, long uh, beak masks, they had cinnamon and cloves and all those things in the mask so that they could smell that and uh, lift their immune system. So I was thinking about people with long COVID, one of the problems is lung issues and maybe to have um, clove essential oils burning in a diffuser around the house might help some of that so that they heal faster. What do you think, doctor? Yeah, I agree. Do you know that, um, I don't know if you guys know John Pierre, I work with him and he's been on the show. He's a fitness, mainly known as a fitness guy, but we, he works a lot with people with food addictions. And one of the things he has recommended is uh, essential oils with clove, because he, if you put like one drop in water and you swish, it kind of numbs your mouth. Yeah. So that's the whole thing with the dental health, right? Because it has that analgesic effect. That's why the best thing for toothache and gum disease is using clove oil. That's again, like toothpaste have clove, natural toothpaste that people use, but using that topically is that, you know, dentists used to do that predominantly. And, and even again, the remedy, home remedy was like put clove oil. Most people used to carry clove oil in their home for that reason of having, when they had toothache. Interesting. That's a great idea, but you probably wouldn't want to swallow it. You want to make sure. Right. You right. He makes sure they just, they swish, they swish. And then, yeah. And one thing, you know, since we're talking about swishing and spitting with, with the, the oils, Anything that's hot, like say chili hot, the key is not to drink water to, to cool it down because chili is not water soluble. So the things that help with chili is fats. Yeah. I know, I know chef is a little bit on, the, but, but fats meaning, so like, if, you know, if you had nut butter, if you had like save a really hot chili or something really spicy, the comma down would be a nut butter or an oil. Um, so like a little bit of olive oil or eating, you know, something a little bit fatty, but the fattiness so that in a typical American or world, you know, lifestyle, it's fats and alcohol actually. And that's why they serve like, you know, jalapeno poppers with beer, or there's, there's reason why they have, you know, margaritas with Mexican food yeah, is, yeah. is, is because that the alcohol actually helps counterbalance, helps turn down the heat. Not that we're not telling people to drink, but these are things like, what do people do? Usually when they, when they eat something that's super spicy, they're gulping, gulping water and it doesn't work. It actually will make it worse. Wow. Interesting. 
Okay, so there's a viewer that is asking, is there an interaction between cacao and antidepressants? And what exactly is it? Is it all antidepressants or just SSRIs or SNRIs? And what about Wellbutrin or TCAS? I yeah, see tricyclics. That. Yeah. Maureen, do you want to answer that? Well, from what I read, it's it's all kinds of antidepressants. And if you drink too much, um, you can go into, I don't, I'm not even sure about this word, something about uh, serotonin syndrome. Syndrome, yes. Okay. So very interesting. So if that's the fat, if that's what the case is, I have to look at that up specifically. But what it is, is that it's actually helping producing excess serotonin. That's why when people eat chocolate, they feel happy. Now, for somebody who's taking antidepressant, you know, having chocolate's not contraindicated, but we're talking about when we're getting the cacao or making in the ceremonial kind, we're talking about the real stuff. Then that, there's an issue where we would have to be careful of that because it does boost that serotonin. That's why we have this heart opening. Like literally when you drink it in the ceremony, within that hour, like there's just like a, a you'll have this overcoming <laughs> Again, you only have to you have the experience to believe it, but it's like this heart opening, you just start opening up. And so for some people that will boost that serotonin level, but if they're already on antidepressant, it pushes that serotonin too high, they can actually get a little bit of a main manic issue or serotonin syndrome. Yes. Now again, people eating 70% cacao, you know, as a you know, organic chocolate bar kind of thing like that, not gonna be an issue in my opinion. But it's those people who eat bars of that, which is a lot of you know, they give a people a bar, and we're talking about a square, but a lot of people eat chocolate as a food group here in America, that could be a problem. Great. Thank you. And uh, but, wait, but, I, but I want to make, make sure that everybody understands that food is never as dangerous as the drugs themselves. So although we say don't take this, what's more, what's worse of an antidepressant is antidepressant interacting with another pharmaceutical medication that goes to the same pathway in the liver. Right. So we always talk about foods like like I mentioned before, they always want to kind of bastardize. Oh, don't eat. Don't take this. Don't take the tumor. Don't take the omega three. Don't take this or don't. But they never tell you the second drug that you take has potential or higher interaction than what your what your which any other food will do. So these are little things like because we always like to pick medicine likes to pick on things that they don't know, which is food. And they love to say, well, medicine doesn't have any issues, but in, you take more than two or three drugs, there's interaction usually. So the key is like, it's looking at, well, it's not only the Wellbutrin or the SSRIs, but what other blood pressure, blood sugar, you know, you know, anxiety, sleeping medications, all these other things that are having interactions, interactions all the time. Nobody really likes to talk about it, but we like to look at all of those when we see our clients here at San Giovanni, we look at which drug, which supplement, which food interacts, because we want people to move forward as food is medicine and use those ones correctly and not feel are things that just because there's bad misinformation out there, the doctor says, oh, don't take this with this drug. I'm like, no, you should be taking this. But what about the three other medications you're taking? How do we reduce that side effect as well? So there's, there's a little bit more science and a little bit more guidance that needs to be given rather than saying, don't eat these foods. I, you know, there's, the, not, there's going to be far fewer adverse incidents of people eating foods than actually taking the medicines. Got it. Thanks. So, um, there's a question about carob from Sherry. How does it compare to cocoa or cacao? Does it have any medicinal effects? Maureen, can you answer that one? Yeah. I, I can't answer that. I, all I know is that it's a great replacement, yeah. but um, it's not something that I really have, have studied. Yeah, I'm not sure myself. I know that dogs can have carob. They can't have cacao or chocolate. That's my, that's my introduction of, of carob. It is a substitute, but I'm not sure if it has, I don't think it has the same polyphenols and all. I just think it has more of the quality of the taste like it, but I yeah. could be. It's, um, it doesn't have any caffeine, for example. Yeah. I, my understanding is it's a pod, it's a fruit. So yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, there probably is some benefits. I wouldn't, and it's a plant food, but in terms of that, that amount of that polyphenols or that heart opening effect, probably not. Yeah. Some people are real sensitive to chocolate though, you know? That's true. Yeah. Like me and my husband, we cannot have any. It just makes my, it's just, uh, it gives me a migraine immediately. Why would it do that? Because it's opening up your vessels. Yeah. Vasodilator. Ah. Some people get vascular headaches, vascular migraines when they take that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They same thing with the wine or the polyphenol, anything that's like a nitric oxide. It can, so sometimes when people take beet shots or eat too much of those things, they can get headaches as well. Yeah. Well, luckily, you know, it's been, I've been away from it so long. I think thankfully don't miss it anymore, but it sure was hard to give up when it happened. Yeah. Okay. That was many years ago. What about cacao nibs? Somebody's asking. What about them? I don't know. What about (laughs) Yeah, They can have, it's a trendy thing. Now people are eating little nibs. Uh, they're putting it, you know, the, the rock cacao nibs just as, you know, sprinkling it on things like that. Uh, it's kind of like one of the things to add. I don't think there's anything harmful for it. Again, it's the quality. So I, I would always look at making, try, you know, with, when it comes to chocolate, same thing with coffee, try to get organic, try to get single source, try to buy it from a place that, you know, supports, you know, the, the farmers and, and not exploitation. Cause that's another, if you, if you read, there's wonderful books on the history of chocolate, you'll, you'll learn a lot of dark areas of, 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 of history of, where, of how we're getting, there's a slave trade and, you know, cacao fields and whatnot. Uh, same thing right now with the larger suppliers right now, like the big, uh, big chocolate bar companies have, you know, bad, bad karma on them because they use a lot of slave child labor for using the most common things that people eat every day is chocolate. And so we want to always look at supporting, uh, uh, you know, fair trade, sustainable sources, a single origin if possible, um, a community traded uh, cacao or chocolate. And the nibs actually come from the outer shell of the cacao that's been, um, you know, uh, baked. So that's why they're really hard. Um, so you, you just need to be careful with those, but I think they're great to add to uh, like a, a shake or a smoothie and, and blend it up really good. I think the, the nibs are wonderful, but they still don't have all of the flavonoids and things that the inner cacao has. Yeah. Right. Susanna wants to know, is there any way to know how spicy a jalapeno will be? I'm new to using peppers and I remove the seeds and ribs and I love them. I recently made a dish that was inedible because it was too hot. Um, for the jalapenos, you know, I'm not sure exactly how you can tell. There's different types of chilies, though. Like, for example, here in New Mexico, when we have our hatch green chilies, Again, the number one supplier. So most anybody that has any kind of salsa that has green chili in there, because it's coming from here, they have different varieties of like, it'll be like a green mild and a green medium and green hot. Uh, It's hard for the average person to tell, but when they go to the market, they will kind of uh, uh, label that. But if you get the wrong one, because it's a plant, it can, you know, you got to take out the seeds, you got to take out the inner, inner lining. You can also wash it too, just to help take some of that out after you, you cut it and you, you remove it to, to remove some of the heat as well. Um, but it varies. And that's why, like, even sometimes like we go get some green mild and sometimes you'll get a, you know, one or two hot, super hot ones in there. Um, we feel that sometimes the, the restaurants do that on purpose just so that you drink more. <laughs> so it's just funny. It's one of the restaurant jokes. They throw a little extra hot ones in there. Okay. Thank you. Anne wants to know if you could please address Heavy metals and cacao, she hears that there's a lot about that. There's heavy metals and cacao. Yeah, so where a lot of the cacao is grown has um, a large amount of cadmium 
in the soil. And it's not due to poisoning, it's just due to the enrichment of the soil. The soil just has a high level of cadmium. The higher, the stronger the source. So the studies were showing the more organic, the more raw, you know, the cacao, which means the real stuff, it actually has a higher content of cadmium. And again, since we do consume it in certain groups, like a lot of people use like cacao powder in their protein smoothie and to make a little protein smoothie, give them that lift. Uh, the better brands, when they did the consumer products testing, showed to have a higher level of that kind of uh, toxic element coming from the soil. Um, so there's an issue. We have to be careful of not consuming it too much over time. But, you know, in, in comparison, when we do studies, comparing it to all the other heavy metals that are coming in from animal protein and in the water that people are drinking just, you know, from the tap, it's off the chart. So is there a risk? Yes. Is it as high as what pe most people are looking at in their food? No. Um, can we get better uh, sources? Yes. And so on the consumer products testing, they did have certain brands that were organic cacao that had lesser and some that had worse. But when people go more towards the milk chocolates or those ones that had very little uh, toxicity, it's because they have very little chocolate. So it just shows you like, you know, so a lot of the big brands, I don't want to name them, but the big brands that you'd go get a kisses or a bar at the store, uh, they will always tell like, hey, we don't have any heavy metals in our in our chocolate because there's really hardly any chocolate in there. It's just really sugar and fat and, and you know, and flavoring. So there's a little bit of like the better you quality you get, there's a higher natural amount by nature. Um, I wouldn't use it as a food group per se, but I would use it still consistently in my, there's other things that I remember when people take in their diet, if you're eating a high plant-based diet, plant which is high in fiber, right? There's a, so how, you know, we can do a whole section on, we'll maybe do it towards the end of one of the sections on talking about detoxification. Because a lot of people have concerns, like if you're eating chocolate and you're eating a standard American diet and you're constipated, then those metals are a problem because your body's not getting rid of it. And so we have to look at how do you increase your, exit or your excretion abilities. And Dr. Sutton's a, an expert in, in panchakarma or detoxification. But this is important because the average person, if they take a high cadmium thing and they're not pooping well, they're not having one to three well-formed bowel movements, having 30 grams of fiber in a plant-based diet every day, then those things do build up and become a problem. If you're having this normal excretion and cycle and hydration, and you're eating all the other polyphenols and antioxidants, usually it's not going to be a problem. And even when we test it, it's usually not a problem. Thanks. All right, here's a question about bottled spices. And Kathy said, have you ever addressed that uh, the lead that can be in bottled spices? She read that it at high level exists in all of them. Frontier Co-op meets the FDA standards. Yeah, so they're one of the brands that I do recommend. They also are non-irradiated, which I mentioned before. There's something called ethylene oxide. They'll say EO-free. Ethylene oxide, if you just saw the latest ruling about a week ago from the FDA, is that they have to change the ruling because the EO is now ethylene oxide, which is the number one way they sterilize and kind of fumigate spices is actually carcinogenic. So they have, they have now implemented some new standards. Now it's going to take some time. And there's all these ways companies will go around it. But you, like with the Frontier Co-op, they're usually uh, uh, non-irradiated. Uh, and so they use other, other ways like carbon dioxide and some other ways to, to look at it. They also want to, do, want to avoid methylene bromide as well. So those are the ones that, that Frontier and some other brands that are usually organic. They're usually coming from sing, single source. But there's also um, spices that you can get are, that are just uh, like from women's cooperatives and other small, small spice farms that you can directly that are a little bit more expensive. But again, like I like to go out of the way and kind of help, you know, that farm to table aspect. Um, 
the grinders on some of the lead content, just letting you know, like when we look at turmeric, for example, on turmeric powder, the lead contamination is from the, the grinders of the rhizomes that come from China. And so there's a little bit of like, they do so much of this stuff in bulk and they grind it into powders. So that's why we like to recommend, like when it comes to cinnamon or other things, the more whole the spice that you can get and you grind it at home with a spice grinder or mortar and pesty, that's the better way to do it. It saves the, um, the volatility and the strength and the medicinal quality of those herbs rather than coming in a powder which will just kind of decrease. And by the time you get it in a store, in a package, you know, one thing I also want to finish with today is also on the top of the spices, you know, in America, we have these little holes on this little plastic lid and we kind of shake it, but the rest of the world, when they sell spices, they don't have that little plastic because they actually use the medicinal amount. So people are using like teaspoons and, you know, you know, they're using these small little spoons when they cook. And in America, we used it as something that you kind of sprinkle it on. So when we do kind of initial data and studies here, it's like, oh, well, that doesn't have effect. Well, sprinkling a little bit is not enough. We need to use it as a food, as a spice, as a culinary source of medicine. And that doesn't mean you have to use a lot. Like in Ayurvedic medicine, usually we're talking about a quarter teaspoon to maybe a half a teaspoon. But people may not even get that just with the sprinkle. So like, you know, they just kind of like sprinkle it like they're, they're kind of like sprinkling something on the top of their latte or coffee as a little, a little just bit of a dash to get a little bit of that little flavor. But we're talking about, you know, I always tell people pop those things off and get a small little measuring spoon so you can actually cook. But, you know, most most restaurants, they have like these little spoons or most family houses that cook will have these little spoons in these little jars. And we just open them up and we're actually using enough to get that medicinal benefit. Thank you, Kathy. No, it's not Kathy. Sorry. Joyce says, what if one has burning urination and irritated bladder and urinary tract and burning bowel movement directly related to consuming hot peppers or hot pepper sauce? Is this normal? And how would one remedy this? It may not be normal, but that person also might have a sensitivity to the chili itself. So when we do food sensitivity testing, then that may be something that could be added to the panel where someone actually may have a food sensitivity to chili, just like you can have food sensitivity to any food. So it may not necessarily be the heat quality. It actually might be the food itself. Now, in general, though, some people, just, when they eat hot, hot, spicy food, it, it's spicy going in and also coming out in some people, depending on the heat uh, and the quality of that heat. But also I would check for sensitivities as well. Terrific. Uh, the viewer that asked the question about the antidepressants says, thank you. So Wellbutrin is not a problem because it doesn't affect serotonin, but the rest of them do. And Daria says, can you recommend a high quality brand of essential oils? Um, gosh, there, there's so many of them. Um, what I will say is I prefer to buy an essential oil product that's not from a direct marketing company. An organic if you can get it. Right. Because most of the ones, and there's two big ones that are the largest brands, I won't say, that have made $6 billion in the essential oil market. And both of them have been shown independently through different countries and different studies to be adulterated. No matter what they say, no matter what they market, if someone's getting a sideline, downline, upline, you know, points, or a trip, uh, and it's a direct marketing company, then it's not really truly, in our opinion, what we've seen in the data to be fully uh, form and function of a real essential oil. They have been uh, scientifically fragranced and, and adulterized, adulterated. So if you go to a store and you buy something, you know, there's local manufacturers, um, but you know, if you get it directly from a, a source, it's gonna be better than buying it for someone who's trying to just sell lines of uh, essential oils. 
-hmm. Never drink essential oils or never take essential oils orally, even if someone tells you. Right. And if you do, um, I know people who add essential oils to their water and they swear by them. Um, if you do, um, be very careful because it can close off the esophagus. Um, and if you're having problems and you're choking, make sure that you're going to drink some um, like coconut oil. oil. Mm -hmm. Coconut oil is a refrigerant. It will cool everything down. Do not drink water. That makes things a hundred times worse. Wow. Uh, Patricia saying, can you have cocoa if you have heart problems? I don't think there's going to be a problem with that. Too much of it, you know, if they're sensitive to the caffeine or the theobromine, but it actually has been shown to improve the cardiovascular benefits. Again, the real cocoa or the real cacao, you know, not, not just taking, you know, a chocolate bar. Right. And Claudette is saying, can you make appointments for consultations with either of you doctors? Yes. Call yes. our office at 505-821-6300 or go to sanjevani.net, S-A-N-J-E-V-A-N-I.net. And you can make an appointment with uh, Dr. Sutton or, or myself. Usually we actually do both. When someone sees her, they, then they come see me and we do all the other testing. Or someone sees me, I send them for her to do all the nutrition and Ayurvedic consultations. Great. Operators are standing by. No, Operators they're both here right now. So all today. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm just kidding. Dina says if she has too much cacao powder, she has trouble sleeping. Yeah, that's, that's the, someone sensitive to caffeine uh, and some of the theobromine. And you can't take that. Some people are just sensitive to that. You know, when we look at certain methylation panels and we look at some we call genetic methylations, people have detoxify. Some people who have higher expressions of that are going to be more sensitive to the caffeine of all products, by the way, whether it's coming from coffee or green tea or even uh, the chocolate. I can't eat chocolate in the in the evening because for one, I don't sleep for two. I have weird dreams. So <laughs> I make sure that I just do it like in the afternoon. That's it. No more chocolate. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not a doctor, obviously, but when my husband was diagnosed with atrial flutter, his cardiologist said no more chocolate. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, for, for ventricular flutter and ventricular tachycardia, which is dangerous, it actually shows to reduce that. So the problem is with the caffeine issue, right? And, and remember, most people have chocolate today. It's going to be full of sugar and everything else, which also going to be, you know, make the person excited and all that stuff. So from, gen from a general standpoint, I'm very anti-chocolate for the average person because they're going to go just get a candy bar, which they already have blood sugar problems. OB, you know, like, so it's not like they're, what they're thinking or they're trying to excuse it. Well, the doctor said eat more chocolate, but it's not that kind of chocolate, uh, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the candy aisle, for example. Um, one of the viewers is saying, can you trust labels that say organic and non-GMO for cacao powders? They use the Better Body Food brand. You know, if it says USDA organic, it should be. And usually they're third party certified. So I would say yes, in general, I would, I would trust them. Okay, good. So what letter are we up to now? Do you know? We, we, we are next week. We're going to do coconut. Not next week, next month. No, sorry. Next month. Yeah. Coconut, uh, coriander cumin and curry leaf. Wow. So we're still on the C's. We got to go all the way in the alphabet. We're only on series four, you know, right? So we got a whole know. year. We got, but I'm hoping that, you know, as we go along, we'll have, a, we'll have some recipes. We'll have some other things that, that, you know, I just want to get, we'll get some under the belt so people can actually start using them. Then we'll start blending them or using them in dishes. And so we'll have to use later on. People have to go back to the first one or second one, third one or whatever we're on and say, oh, yeah, I remember that spice. That's that was he, we already talked about that. But I want people to, you know, what I recommend everybody just to go out this this month 
you know, one, do one a week. Try to pick one spice that I talked about. So do a little bit of cinnamon, do a little bit of chili, a little bit of cacao, a little bit of clove. Uh, just buy a few and then, and, or buy the book and then, and then try to start using those and make food, the, food your medicine. Yeah. What I get my patients to do is buy the separate spices and then look up the recipes for making a blend for their Italian uh, seasoning, for their Moroccan seasoning, what, whatever it is they're going to make, so that it helps to educate you what goes in there and what is the quality of the spices and how much do you use to make things taste good. Yeah. You know, it would have been good though. I've now that hindsight's 2020, because we call this healing spices. If every episode there could be e like either a demonstration or just a recipe given using those spices. Sure. Okay, we'll let's do it. it. And we can even go back in time if you want. So guys, thank you so much. This was very informative. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks nice everybody to, for having me. Nice to meet you, Dr. Sutton. Right. You, both of you guys win the award for best virtual breakdowns, though. I guess. <laughs> well, very, well, thank you. Helpful. Thank your li listeners for, for, for the, all their support and calling in and watching the show. And hopefully we can, you know, slowly but surely lead them to be, you know, better, better cooks, better healthier people. Great. Thanks so much. And thanks all of you for watching another episode of Chef AJ Live. Please come back tomorrow for more spices, actually, because the show is called Vinegar Spice and Everything Nice with California Balsamic and Local Spicery. They're going to be making barbecue sweet potato fries with baked beans, ginger balsamic strawberry shortcake, ginger balsamic glazed carrots, and ginger noodle bowl with kale and tofu. So maybe they'll get to some of the spices you mentioned, guys. Yes. Thanks so much. Take right. care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.